Good evening, friends, and welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your weekend? Uh, it was great, I think. Yeah, it was like uh, the end of the holidays. Mm. It was fantastic. We're still just on the cusp of that here. My uh, yeah. my sister-in-law had her baby. Uh, oh, congratulations. Smith Rogers. I think that's a grandparent or something. Wait, how's that work? Fortunately, none, none of my family listen to the podcast, so they won't hear the embarrassing lack of detail I have on that anecdote. Um, wait, uh, so wait, your sister-in-law, but not your brother? Well, my brother didn't have the baby. Well, no, but you, I, I figured you'd say my brother had a baby. Yeah, he, but I guess, he did. Right. Um, okay. And so mom and dad and my youngest sister are flying back tomorrow. Sarah's going to go pick them up and uh, we'll be back to normal chaos. Um, I spent the weekend over at the house tiling. I don't know if I sent a picture when I had just started, but I'm tiling mm-hmm. subway tile in the uh, shower surround or whatever the walls around the bathtub. Yeah, I've never tiled before. It always it looks very daunting. Um, it's not too bad. Floors are definitely easier than walls because you're not fighting gravity. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got up to over halfway. There's uh, shelves in the corner that get that get mortared in, and I got that high um, with it. So I'll like I'm assuming it's it's a lot harder though because you have to have special cutting tools and stuff, right? It is a little bit. I'm fortunate that uh, that my dad has some of that stuff. We have a what they call a wet saw, which is yeah, like a um, the saw is fixed, so it's sort of like a table saw, but upside down. So the saw is up on top. Right. Um, and the plate table part of it moves, slides in and out. Um, right. And then there's a big tub of water underneath and a pump that brings the water up and sprays it onto the blade so that everything stays cool. Because otherwise, right. uh, you know, a, a masonry blade going through tile is going to get really hot right that's that's one thing that i know that i have some pretty good tools like i've got you know bandsaw and and uh circular saws and stuff yeah kind of, yeah you know things i need but i don't have a wet saw and i felt that if i ever wanted to do tile like that's the only reason i would ever own a wet yeah saw. and my like, dad when i was younger i helped my dad um you know when he would redo his bathroom or he redid a couple bathrooms for friends um i would help him do cuts with the the cutting tool it's like Mm -hmm. a you know one piece of it scores and then the other piece of it pushes down so the tile snaps in a straight line oh nice and so i learned how to do that but in the intervening years my dad had done enough projects that he could justify buying the wet sauce so um, I, i had access to that which is nice. I mean, that is nice. Really, in my house, there are two bathrooms, both with a tile floor and a tile um, tub surround, and the kitchen is all tiled. And in the last two years, Dad put tile in one of the dog puppy kennel buildings and in the back room of his 
of his house here. So he gets gets some use out of it. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, tile's nice, like tile on walls and stuff like that is really nice. Yeah, it's a it's a learning experience. I did I did the floor and shower on the second floor, and the shower I was not really satisfied with when it was done. It was fine, but we didn't get the walls as square as we could have before we started. And that's, you know, when you get to tiling and, and if you only notice that stuff, then it's too late. You know, you don't want to go back and right. tear everything out. But taking those lessons forward and making sure I start with a nice straight level row at the bottom and then just watching it as I go up uh, to keep everything square and straight. Well, you know. Yeah, right. Be a, houses are so 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 seldom actually square right especially when your house is over 100 years old like mine is oh man right i, I did i remember doing my first do it myself without much guidance project house project i did was like some shelving that's a you know above around circled the top about a foot below the ceiling mm-hmm. um just for like decorative things yeah, yeah. and I just, you know, I had all the measurements perfectly out. I was doing things at 45 degree angles and had it all perfectly and I cut it. And then I learned, yeah, the walls aren't perfectly, you know, angled and mathematical stuff. And this wall is not that angle. Oh my God. Everything just didn't fit. I'm like, you put it outside on the ground, the board, it fits perfectly, Mm -hmm. you know, put it in the stupid walls and (laughs) no. It's more of an art than it's, it is very much, you know, contract and homework is, is a lot of art. Well, too. yeah. And that's the stuff I notice whenever like we go to an old historic home or building, like we um, were visiting my sister, brother-in-law down in Tennessee, and we went to one of the old like plantation houses mm-hmm. and I'm looking around at all the, like all the woodwork, right? There's like a lot of, crown molding and stuff that you know you know in the 1800s or 1700s or whatever they did it all by hand and you're like how in the world did they do this and everything's tight and fits and it's a thing i'm sure i've said this before and i forget where i heard it but um the those old houses made over 100 years ago came from a time when uh materials were expensive and labor was cheap, yeah. right? So oak and maple and stuff were even more relatively expensive than they are now. But it was super easy to get, you know, craftsmen in to to just work for hours and hours to get something perfect and straight and right. Where nowadays, hiring somebody to work on your house is expensive, but materials are relatively cheap. Right. Yeah, and they do. They just slap it on there the first time. <laughs> yeah yeah and right. and you get that like quick brushed sloppy work that right uh so our so this week we're bringing it back around here we got um we got two of our challenges because we didn't we didn't get to speak about yeah, we have uh, four movies lord of the rings and uh yes we're gonna watch we watched the witcher just randomly mm-hmm. kind of jumped onto that thing um and is that it is it mostly watching so and fight club and Fight Club was our last week's movie. Yeah, so we did it. We've done a lot in the last week or so, and that's what our show is going to be about. Let's let's go ahead and um, start. What do you say? Start. Let's start off with The Witcher. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Start with the hopefully shorter topics, so they don't get 
so they don't end up getting tabled if we talk about Lord of the Rings too long. Sure. Uh, okay, so um, we're going to talk about the in, the Netflix original series, The Witcher, and we're probably going to spoil it, so I'm going to hit the bell. Right. In the Netflix series, there's there's three Witcher games. Uh, sorry, not the Netflix series, the, the game series. Mm-hmm. There's three book or three Witcher things. Um, they seem to get better and better after every iteration. It's one of those rare things that continues to get better each iteration. Hmm. And um, this last one with I Witcher guess that's three. That's not always true. In in games, I feel that's half yeah, that's half just, and half for AAA. Sure, you know titles that aren't like EA cash cows, Madden true, or true. something. Have true. you have you played these games? I played I played you know I played Witcher two okay. for about. 20 percent into it all right and then and then i i played and it became it was a pc i got it on pc and it was one of those mm-hmm. rpgs on a pc and i just didn't have time to sit down and play an rpg mm. in my computer room at the time uh and then i i did buy witcher 3 and for a black friday thing right and it hurt it's really great and i started playing it and it is really great it's very triple a game like everything is super polished and really well done um but it as I got to playing, it's definitely one of those, the, there's so many things going on. It's like the whole world is open and it's free roaming, but there's definitely a story and it's, you know, it's like you're living and breathing in the Witcher world mm. type thing. So, so it, it quickly became a, um, I'm overwhelmed, do not following the storyline. Right. Right. And so, so I lost interest, which is if I had just stayed with the storyline, like, like I said, a lot of times with these games. Yeah. We've I mean, talked about that a couple of times with RPGs. I know our buddy Pete said yeah. he got a copy of it for free with his, his uh, video card because the game mm-hmm. is from like 15 or 17. To, it's a couple of years old. And yeah, sure. he said he played it for, for a little while. And then in his words, discovered how much time, how much of my time the game expected from me and gave up on it. Yeah, I could, I could, I can see that. It's true of a lot of RPGs. Yeah. And I, and I think that you could just, if you just played the storyline, it probably is a a pretty decent long amount of time as it is. Right. It feels like it's very involved. Um, And it was just getting, the story was just getting going. And I had um, not played the other ones and they had characters that were, in this third one, I know it's its own story, self-contained story type thing, but characters like uh, Siri, which we'll talk about in a minute, and Yennefer, are in the third one, and they already have like established histories. Mm. So I didn't quite know. Okay. You know, Yennefer would come on screen, and I'd be like, oh, she's cool. But it's supposed to be cooler than what it was, because, you know, oh, Yennefer. And I'm like, I don't know that right. person. So um, anyway, it, it's it's very awesome. I did not get to finish it because I go around and I do want to go back and play it now. I'm inspired because I know there was just a lot of this series felt like the video game. It's like mm-hmm. for the first three episodes, I don't know what they're talking about or <laughs> who they're. There's so much world going on. So I'm I'm guessing you also didn't read the book books. No. And this series is based on the books, not on the, the, the video game. Mm. It felt the like video game. Like see, I, said, I don't. Three I don't games. know. I went into this completely fresh and and uninformed. I've never read the yeah. books. I've never played any of the games. But uh, my brother Andrew watched it in like two days. Watched the whole thing, and then yeah. while he was down here, he was like, uh, "You guys, we could watch that Witcher series if you guys want." And I'm like, "Didn't you just <laughs> finish that?" And he's like, "I would watch it again." And so when you know, I 
sat down, laid down to watch TV before falling asleep, I went, well, it must be pretty good if he's willing to watch it twice. Um, yeah. So I'll, we'll check it out. And so I had no idea, and I just, you know, I did a thing I think you sometimes do when we're doing stuff for the podcast. I'm like, I'm going to go into this. I'm not going to look anything up, and I'm just going to look at it through the eyes of someone with no context and and see see what I can figure out. Um, yeah. I will say that... So we're getting into spoilers here a little bit. Yeah. Um, some people said that from the first episode, you know that um, there are multiple time frames, time scales. I, I didn't. That might be a thing that players of the game will know, because maybe it, if you play the game, you know that Geralt doesn't meet Yennefer until late in her career as a, as a mage. Um, yeah, see, or, I mean, or I, something I like that. Like I had none yeah, of that. The game doesn't do time skips. I had none of that information. So, but, so how far into the series are you? I finished. Oh, you did. Okay. You said, yeah. oh, you meant you didn't finish the video game. No. Yeah. I didn't finish the video game. No, I, I said, I got, I got what I think was 20% through the, the second one and about the same amount through the third one. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling if I looked it up, I was only probably like 5% into the video, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just, it's a lot of the world. And there's a whole bunch of like countries doing things and political maneuvering, like, you know, story about stuff. 20% of the story, 3% of a hundred percent of all the, all the other things, find all the feathers all the and kill. And again, all, it kill wasn't all the bad. Rabbits. It wasn't like those political things were, were boring or not interesting. They really were. It just was kind of like, there's a, a lot here and it's a definitely an established world that, it's, it's this all sounds like it's a big knock on it it's not it's just kind of like okay this is heavier than i thought right. and just like what what pete said to you was the you know the time investment this was more than i thought that usually means it's a great game and i just need yeah. to sit down and have a break where i start to get invested you just in it. realize but i'm not going to be able to you don't have the time and energy to to appreciate this game properly and... right and and this movie is kind of the same way in that if I'd watched one episode and then let two weeks go by, I'd have no idea what the hell's going on. Right? Yeah, this... We're going a little bit meta in this, and maybe... Maybe let's let's talk about specific details in the spoiler section so we can talk more meta afterward. Sure. Okay. Well, the the... The story follows a, a witcher. The world is interesting. What, do you, what, did you, what did you think about the world? Um... I mean, it seems... Can you describe it to someone who doesn't know what kind of world it is? So it seems like generally typical medieval fantasy, fantasy medieval, okay. um, mm -hmm. but leaning a little darker than, well, I mean, it's not, it's not as dark as Middle Earth, but right. it's more, it feels more pessimistic although now that i'm saying that i realize in my mind i'm confusing it a little bit with carnival row which is uh <laughs> very dark it's almost uh lovecraftian but right. um it definitely has its own twists on that genre though right? yeah it's you know you've got mostly your normal villagers normal people and then you have a handful of there's a there's a race of elves that have been exiled they're the original magic users and you have some human magic users. Um, right. The whatever they do, 
in using magic or maybe just that enchantment like keeps them from aging or at least appearing to age none of that's right. ever explained or even acknowledged that that's and, a, that's i think a, my biggest concern or f- i think where they misstep i think what they made the series is that it deals heavily with time yet they don't do really i just don't think they would do a really good job of selling that to you well or explaining it to her sometimes you just need a little bit as a character to come out and say yeah witchers wit, witches and wi- sorcerers and witchers don't age they just need to say it right right and it might be at least in yennefer's case that it's part of the, her enchantment like her deal mm-hmm. that she made to to become beautiful and have her birth defects cured which is well and the sorcerer that he meets at the beginning and who's also through it he said he's kind of older guy and he says that he's like several hundred years old mm. he he does say that earlier so i was like okay so oh um you mean mousack i i i don't he's the He's the guy, like, in the first episode who they go to the tower, and he's like, I'm killing all these sisters who were born on a certain, like, full moon or Oh, something. that guy. Yeah, I yeah. forget his yeah. name now. The, yeah, the he, major he's, like, tower. several hundred years old, right. he says. I was like, oh, so, because uh, Geralt goes, oh, you mean this tower belonged to the wizard that was so-and-so that, you know, of legend? He's like, yeah, that's still me. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, okay, so you're still alive after hundreds of years. Right, right. So that that kind of, I get that. There there are people who, when I've talked to them, I said like, hey, I don't get the timeline thing. They've come back and said, well, they, they kind of hint at it here and there. I'm like, hinting is not good enough. There's, yeah. I mean. Just, there wasn't enough visual, it's, visual cues is the biggest it's, problem. It's yes and no. Um, I, you know, I jokingly to our friends, I said, recommend it if you like uh, Dunkirk. Because this is a problem I had with Dunkirk. Uh, part of yes, it is yes. the three stories are running not only at different times, but at different scales, at different yes. paces. And yes. the and the sort of consequence of the main like group of soldier age English and French uh, boys, young men, yep. was such that I could not tell any of them apart. I'm like... All five of these guys look exactly the same to me. Totally. Um, hey, wait, wait. I, I have a feeling we're getting in the weeds before we actually do a little bit of a overview real quick. Sure. So, sorry, you said visual cues. and, and that, I did. I got, I got caught and up. And that threw I, me off. my fault. It took me until after Yennefer makes her deal and, you know, becomes the actress with no prosthetics on. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode after that... They show her riding in a carriage, and she's disillusioned with life, and she says three decades of this yeah. and this was what I traded, and I was like, okay, there's something weird going on with time. I think that's around the same time when I I decided, I realized it. Too. And then the episode after that, her path finally crosses with, with Geralt, and then he says to the bard, you know, it's been almost ten years since he's seen him, and so you're like, okay, time's moving forward, Yennefer's not aging, and neither is Geralt. Geralt is, I don't know, this is in the spoilers, so it's whatever, but he's a witcher. He's some kind of mutation, mutated person that is no longer... Somebody that they make them. Like, it sounds like they make them. They make them or, like, convert them. Like, maybe he was born as a human and then got changed through magic or whatever to become a witcher. He has some kind of 
telekinetic abilities, mo- all combat based. Like his yep. his deal and his mutation is so that he can track and hunt and kill monsters. Yeah, that's he's, he's highly evolved for that. Yeah, he has some some kind of like almost infrared vision kind of tracking things. Um, you see him. He's heals you, fast. You see faster. him do video gamey kind of stuff like chug potions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, frequently. Which, which that's interesting. I I almost wanted to read. Like he chugs potions several times, and I don't know why. And they don't really explain it. Maybe they will at some point. Well, but. that's uh, my assumption is that it's it's a combination of you know the story from the books, but still based heavily in a game kind of kind of context. I I, I usually would think that, but the producers, writers, and all the actors have said that it's not based on the game at all. Like they straight went from the book source material. So uh, while I agree watching this movie, I felt very video game elements throughout Mm -hmm. it, but at least the writers would deny that. So I, having not read the books, I don't know. Right. Okay. So uh, we're spending so much time here. Let's get into (laughs) specific, like spoiler kind of things. How did you feel about the, the, end of the first episode with the with the uh blaviken villagers uh good i liked i liked the combat fight there there was really good fighting i liked that uh Geralt was you know made the right choice i liked the thing i like kind of about Geralt is that he the he doesn't pick lesser of two evils he's kind of like screw the world mm-hmm. if, if you know if i have to pick something then i'm not going to pick anything and we'll all die and that's fine there are some interesting sort of themes like um, he says that about, you know, because from the beginning of the show, it's established that he's hated. Nobody trusts him. It's like in a, mm-hmm. in a D and D setting, it's like dragonborn or, uh, demon hunters or death knights in, in Azeroth Warcraft. Um, you know, it's like, he's this, he's this tool to protect the people from monsters, but to be that tool, he is a kind of monster himself. It's like a, mutant i mean they call him a mutation um and so he has to deal with that prejudice in (laughs) what i would call self-defense when all these villagers come at him but that was that was gratifying in a bad way where i'm like i'm like oh i should feel bad for those villagers but i really don't they're such dicks like cut them all down yeah i didn't feel bad he he gets the i didn't think i didn't realize because of the time passing thing they later on they keep calling him the butcher of blaviken or something right like, oh that's the butcher they're talking and about I, okay i think that's another that's supposed to be another clue that time is moving faster than we think um right it compares to somebody did a chart basically um yennefer's story moves very slowly at first at least until she catches up with him um yeah. his story moves less slowly you know, it moves over a span of like 20 years, maybe. Yeah. Where hers is more like 50. And yeah, then I, I think I think that and then series story runs over like a couple weeks. Right. The the the, the Dunshire was a really apt, apt observation, because that, that is exactly the confusion I felt then. I've never felt any other time except when I watched that show. Dun, Dunkirk, not Dunshire. I'm thinking of the cones mm. of Dunshire. <laughs> Dunkirk. Dunkirk and um, and this movie, those these two, this show, this these two things, I were just completely difficult for me to follow. And it even got me when I knew it was a time thing, and I knew they were all in different time t- zones. It got me at the last episode, even when 
the Geralt comes to the um to the town. He's going after Siri to find her, and I'm like, oh, we're actually in the past now. Yeah, we're caught up. Or right, we're we're in her past and have been this whole time. We just didn't realize it. Right, and all of a sudden you're seeing the last episode and the big thing with the witchers coming with Siri. It's like, Oh, he's, this is all before I thought he was like in another part of the world. No, this was all in the past and he's just catching up to her. Yeah. Just and now. I, and I think if you're listening to and paying attention to all of the nations named, which I definitely was not, yeah. um, when, um, when Yennefer is, you know, making the deal where she's going to be sent to be the, the mage, advisor to whatever country they want to send her to um whatever the the country that invades nifelgard in the nilfgard in the um in the first episode and then the other lady goes instead and that sort of precipitates this this battle in the in the final episode yeah they they have um uh it's just weird that the movie starts with the last scene, like the, the sorry, movie, the show episode one is the same scene as the last scene, you know? So you're, you're kind of starting at the end and then everything after that gets, get, happens kind of in the past, but you don't, I wish it would, all it needed to do is like after that first scene, say like 70 years before or something like that. Right. And then, you know, okay, this is all, what came yeah, before. I mean, everything that's happening is mostly, like, fun and compelling enough that I didn't really mind. Like, stuff was so crazy and confusing in general because I didn't know the yeah. world that that didn't bother me. It was a fun sort of thing to to pick that out myself as time went on. Yeah. It was and, like, and maybe oh, this is, will be much now is she going to run into them? And you're like... Oh, okay, then they're yeah. here. Maybe this makes for a good rewatch type thing. Like you now, Maybe. you can watch it again and know what things are, and start to pick up some of the other players, like um, the I can't think of his name, but the shape shifting guy. Yeah, the doppelganger, the doppel who disguises himself as Mausak and goes and frees yep. or whatever goes and abducts Siri yep. from the dryads. Um, I right. didn't understand any of that stuff going on with them um i didn't either i actually i felt my review we've kind of been saying bad things with the show i generally did like this show i want to say mm-hmm. but the the uh the whole series line felt like a big filler you know i mean we we needed to know what happened to her at the beginning and then at the end and that's it yeah like she, she didn't end up she could have walked outside and found Geralt after at the end of the the big fight, and been like that's all that needed to happen. I mean, you Nothing sort really of really happened to her. Yeah, it's it sort of develops her whatever kind of powers that she has. She meets the elves, so she's a little bit sympathetic to them. And there's their whole thing with the water. But I mostly her care her story was the least interesting to me, and maybe that's just you know not yeah. for me. Obviously, the the quiet stoic you know, badass fighter was interesting to me and the hot lady, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, not, I, I think that, that you know, there, this, but. this, this show like did capture well, what at least I know of, of the game also captured is yes. Geralt is the main character, but he's not like, 
the most compelling of everything. He's totally fine because he's totally badass and awesome and great to watch. And I mean, I think he doesn't have a ton of substance. I you think know, that's but. generally, unless you're playing a game like Uncharted or to a lesser extent, the newer Tomb Raider games are like this. Um, the protagonist in a, in a lot of games is, is that bland kind of play, and protagonist is the wrong word, the player character, because they're yeah. just, the player like in in a exactly. in a fallout game the main character can be anything um and so yeah i think and i that, wonder if the books were like that i wonder if the books made Geralt kind of not as you know i, I mean it, it inten- it's I mean, I very intentional that be, he doesn't have emotion that would surprise right? me it's not really the way most books are read they you know have multiple points of view and uh, yeah the, I, I read where yennefer was originally created to be Geralt's love interest and then he said, and then I decided that uh, she was way more than that. Mm. And that was that was not going to define her. Right. Uh, and she wouldn't. She, I think he said something like she wouldn't let that define her. I was like, OK. And then she became a character. And that's how I think in the book. Again, I haven't read the books. So I wonder if in the books, that's how these things work. Because in the video games, it's all these supporting characters that everyone seems to love. Sure. They, like, oh, there's this character. And, oh, that's why when a video game, a character would walk on screen, it had some kind of gravitas to it. Because clearly this is a character that's important that everyone talks about, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Yennefer um, went through a, a, a phase stage, and I don't know if she's even really past that, depending on what they mm-hmm. do in season two. But um, I watched a couple of these episodes upstairs, and Sarah would watch. She watched, like, four of them randomly because she didn't really care. And so yeah. I would try to explain to her what, you know, the high points of what was going on. Right. And um Yennefer's character seems like one of those unfortunate cases where she was treated very badly as a child mm-hmm. and so became a you know, fully selfish self self-absorbed adult. Yeah, and and it this is a, a neat kind of interesting story thing you can explore of someone who's born with deformities Mm -hmm. and very not an attractive person and unliked and unloved by people being able to use magic to become the opposite of that and then live life and see what does the emotional scars of what you lived through and what you were even if you get what you want Right. What happens, right? So that that makes Jennifer very compelling and interesting. And the actress does a really good job on all fronts of that. And I really liked all of her storyline, which is, you're right, she's a very attractive lady, but she's good, right? In general, she's really, I like the scene when she is looking at herself in the mirror and, and when she's all kind of deformed still and hunchback and she um, smashes the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, and, and tries to kill herself. That's a really good scene. It just, you know, you felt pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. Not good about that, but, you know, how that worked. It was, uh, so she it was, was emotionally really engaging, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I enjoyed the lioness grew on me. I wish I could remember her name, but I just heard the lioness. She bothered me with the time travel thing because she never aged either. She was a grandma and she's like 42. It just did not work yeah, out. Yeah, that was strange. No, no matter how, when she had a daughter who was 16, she was also 42. You know, it was just, they didn't even try to, so I, I really got confused there with her, uh, but, but she was an, in, she's an interesting character. Her husband's an interesting character. I really liked the gift of surprise. That mm. was cool. It's right. Yeah. It's very like, it's just one of those storytelling mechanisms that 
at least for me, I've never seen before. I had never either. Um, and so when you see it, and then of course he invokes it again, um, and you're like, oh no, you're like no, he just did the thing, of course. And that that was the moment for me. I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's where the puzzle yeah. pieces click together. And I was like, oh, Siri is his ward or whatever. They talk a lot about yeah. destiny. Uh, yeah. and fate though i think they always call it destiny it's like right. destiny is this force like we think of destiny mm -hmm. as like this sort of mystical concept it's like a goal that right. we didn't set that the universe set for us um right where to them they're they're really using it more the way that we think of fate as in somebody being fatalistic or yeah. um having a fatal injury it's like the the um the outcome is already set right and so yeah, they're and, like and they, they talk about like people who are trying to fight it yeah they're back, like you you did this thing you rolled these dice and the dice landed like this this child belongs to you and you can't fight that like that's set now yeah and and, uh, and the grandmother also tries to fight against right. it and both it destroys yeah. her yeah so that was really cool that the, the i can't remember it's called law of surprise or something like that was that is a neat yeah. mechanic that I had never heard, and I actually enjoyed when he said it. And then there's the the morning sickness scene, and he turns around and says, <laughs> "F," right? I was like, "That was right. so perfect." Right. I actually really enjoyed too a scene because we and we did transition here, but um, when he, I love the bard. I got a shout out to the bard. He was a surprise that I thought would really annoy me in the trailers, and I really he was a highlight of the series. I thought, yeah, as he starts doing stuff, I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of annoying." But then when he he starts making up that song with the chorus. I'm like, right. okay. And then like they, they transition between that and the stuff going on with Yennefer. I'm like, okay, I'm all in on this part. This song is amazing. Yeah. It's going to be stuck in my head for days. <laughs> and, and they really sell him too, right? Like mm -hmm. they keep every, every time later on, as time goes on, it's like, uh, Oh, I know your story when you fought here. And you're like, Oh, that's when the bard, was there right. and he told it this way and i love that Geralt doesn't necessarily correct them always right because right? he does early on when the bard's writing that song he's like that's not how it happened and yeah. the bard is like his pr man and i and totally. i love it's similar to some of the stuff that happens later to sort of um and, and backfires a little bit but stuff that happens later in the king killer chronicles um with both like setting out his as a as a musician a songwriter lyricist mm -hmm. sending out his own legend you know letting people believe certain things and correcting and building up sort of things and you get how that word of mouth spreads and then Geralt over over the years transitions from this feared hated monster to you know uh, not quite hero but somebody that the people tolerate and accept and will help and they and he gets work because that's his right. big thing is that you right. know he now they know him he walks into town like oh hey you're the legendary guy well you work for me here's big money yeah. um which is what like a bard is supposed to be right that's exactly what bards did and yeah in kind of in real life uh so that that was really good and the actor was really good he was quick he presented <laughs> his uh, to for lack of a better term he presented his lines really well right you know uh my, my favorite scene of his is when the the gin gets him three wishes and he does not blink and he starts getting <laughs> asking for revenge on one guy and then right. women with the other 
And Geralt has to like quickly, like, oh my God, stop, dude. <laughs> you know? Right. Which, which is how he gets the thing. Cause he never had the wishes. Geralt had them all never, along. Never had the wishes. Right. Um, I still wonder what he, what he wished for, but um, uh, he's, they say that in the episode with the dragons. Um, oh, do they? He, it's something about he, he wished, wanting her to he live, wished that he would that he would not lose her. Which oh, is, is that what it was? Or, it's it's not super clear, but that's why they keep running into each other, and you know now she has no chance to, um, you know, bear a child and right. Which is thing. which is that 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 scene with the gold dragon is, I think, a very key and pivotal scene slash statement that happens that sets the entire series from even in the witcher the three and the end of the books i think it's or i don't know the end of the books but throughout the books mm-hmm. the idea that Geralt won't end with her but they're destined to be together you, you, you know what i mean it's i mean yeah it's kind of like what, what did the the gold dragon say it's like you won't you will lose her is what he says and she will never get like what she yeah wants. he does he does the this great line, which is a very like it's a thing you can only have a a dragon or a wizard say in a setting like this right. um he says uh i'll I'll give you some small pain now to save you greater pain later um the yeah. sorceress will never bear a child, and even though you wished not to lose her, you will right which is which is kind of like. That's the series. It's kind of like you, you want them to be together, but they it literally can't because this prophecy and, type. Thing and that's how it and ends, shows, right? That's right. what when when he finally catches up with Siri, that's what she says. Who's Yennefer? And then it's done. Right. So so that's 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 one of the beloved things about people who like this series is this uh, tension between them and then mm. Yennefer or sorry Siri becomes a a daughter kind of to. Um, Geralt and a daughter to um Yennefer right but not really but they both want that it's kind of like it's very family but not family so it's a really unique story that I thought was well told well done uh I'm hoping the, pr- the production values I, I think they were good yes but or are they they're better than Netflix production values right or maybe not oh, this was Netflix what do you mean or sorry not Netflix like uh I don't know some kind of B movie. It's not a. It's campy, but not really campy. Like some scenes I mean, were really well done. Production value in terms of like sets, costumes, special effects. Most of that. I mean, special effects, visual effects, like dragons and and fully CGI kind of stuff is always tricky and challenging. Um, yeah. But it was, it was on par with Game of Thrones in terms of production value. Um, I would agree. I would agree with that too. The the story and the acting and the, the, you know, some of the just stuff that happens is is almost campy. I wouldn't call it full campy, um, right? But like the the lioness's daughter ends up betrothed and married to a hedgehog guy, right? Like a lot of it is just a little goofy. That felt very like um, the like old English tales of, you know, Cinderella and sure, Beast and sure. things like that. Like it felt like, and the story of a princess who got married to a hedgehog type thing. It's like, that's what it felt like. That's when I felt like it was going full episodic until I realized it was. Well, and the law of surprise thing feels like the, um, Ruppelstiltskin bargain. Yeah. 
except yeah. that the bargain doesn't backfire on the person asking the favor. It backfires on the person. On the, it goes the other way, right? Yeah. It's like if Rumpelstiltskin didn't want her firstborn child, right. but his deal for repayment got him that accidentally or through destiny. Well, I will say that that I may watch this like not immediately, but I may watch this series again because it was fairly enjoyable. I can see how it was Andrew, right, that said that he he watched it again. He would watch it again. Yeah, yeah. it let's I can see how that would be, you know. Right? Let's go into final judgments on this. Mm-hmm. So so no spoilers. I think probably the and and we've said this before talking about Netflix. I think I think for me I've become fully convinced that the binge model is not great. I agree. Um, for no, I, for I, I one week, this show topped all of the streaming charts. Like it beat Mandalorian mm-hmm. for one yeah. week, and right. then next week it's 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 back down again. Where if you do, I mean, look at what happened with Mandalorian. We were talking about it almost every week. Every week yeah. a new episode came out, and it was a short little thing. And you know, yep. these are The Witcher has hour long episodes. Now there are other things you have to do. You have to kind of have a little more lead in, maybe do recaps or something so people always know what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if it's streaming, people can wait and binge it all at once if they want. But yeah. you lose that that long-term sort of hype and, I totally and popularity yeah. when you, you know, just dump it all at once. Um, yeah, pe- people, even our friends like who would watch it, they watch it like, and then it's done. It's like, yeah, I watched it. Last weekend, right. right, and then right. that's it. as if it's one movie that they watched, which which kind of sucks. Also, I mean, we've gone over this subject for a long time. I think this show and or sorry, Mandalorian and uh, Discovery prove our points more than anything. Um, but I think that um, we won't get another Witcher for a long time, right? Like, not only did we have just a week worth of hype on a show that's pretty great, we for another fifty two months or more, we won't have nothing. Have nothing, yeah. so it will be forgotten and and lost, and and that's a lot of work, a lot of work and time and effort to put in what eight to nine hours of a show Television. for all the yeah. people, you know. So that's gone in a time. So yeah, I'm not I'm not into that binge model. And, so anyway, um, that yeah. aside, um, mm-hmm. this this show has an eight point five on IMDb. Um, they said it was the biggest of 2019 for Netflix. Netflix said. Well, and it was only out a week. I mean, well, I mean that's Netflix, but I mean, what what else have they done? Like, I think Stranger Things has gotten less compelling every season. Oh yeah, some of season our friends three. won't like that. They liked season three, and season but three. See, was season fine. three came out in the summer too, but and it was usually always in October. You know, Hopper was my favorite character, and he he got a little bit assassinated. But yeah. um, well, spoilers. Well, it was also it was, uh, Stranger Things was released in the summer, which has always been historically bad for watching tv sure so and it was always in released in the fall yeah so if you think of like what did netflix make and release i mean you know they made that movie with michael bay and and uh, ryan reynolds which i'm sure cost a fortune (laughs) right Um, and nobody really cared for right 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 yeah honestly i can't i know someone will probably correct this but i I can't remember anything notable from netflix beyond stranger things and now the witcher so um uh I, I guess you're right. I guess I could could see that. I, in conclusion here, I like this series. It makes me want to um, 
play the game. It really does. Mm, now that yeah. I now that I know the countries Same. and I know the characters, um, I can really start to now load up the game, go into a scene where the a royalty noble is talking about a political thing. Like, oh, I know that country. Right. I know this person. I know this thing. And that'll probably make it feel a lot more engaged. Um, th- and at some point, maybe next, for next season, like pick up the books even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think if if you have any kind of tolerance for fantasy magic world in general, I think you'll like this. Uh, don't expect it to be the first five seasons of Game of Thrones yeah, level right, level writing and, and storytelling or, yeah. you know, even Lord of the Rings type stuff. It is... Mm-hmm. Even though it's based on a book, I think it helps to think of it as based on a video game. I think yeah. your expectations are are uh, appropriately low at that point, but not mm-hmm. too low. Like, I would probably call this... I mean, of the ones that I've seen, this is probably the best video game movie or video game I agree. adaptation I- that I've that I've seen. It's good. It doesn't take itself too seriously, so you shouldn't either. Well, would you would you say and this is going to be really hard for you to try and okay. match, but w- would you say that it's in comparison to Discovery, like Star Trek Discovery, it's good. It's not like movie quality, but it's probably the best fantasy you'll get on TV barring maybe Game of Thrones. I don't know what level you think Discovery is the best sci-fi on TV ever, but there's a lot going on with Discovery in terms of season one, season two, all the nostalgia. I'm in my mind now trying to compare it to The Mandalorian. Okay. Um, sure. It's more complicated than Mandalorian in terms of the world. Mm-hmm, um, sure. But, and and really with the storytelling, because you have more than one main character. Um, but I think if you go into it expecting just a fun fantasy story, in the same way that you go into Mandalorian expecting a fun Star Wars story, not, you know, Jedi lightsaber, just a space Western mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I think you'll you'll be satisfied with that. I don't know how to compare it to Discovery. So, I, you know, I it's funny that you said Mando. I I may lose my card for this, but I think it's a better show than Mandalorian. I liked the Mandalorian. It has I much more. Much I mean, it's more. It. It's like two almost three times as much uh runtime there's just yeah. there's just so much more going on in there it. is the mandalorian is intentionally not a lot going on and this is intentionally has a lot going on yeah which so, after yeah. some of the movies we've seen we're like yes please yeah. just get it give me eight hours of tv i should have good character development All I want and is i can't necessarily bit. say that with mandalorian none of the characters from the start to the ending ever or the world really ever developed except for just a little bit, which is fine. It's exactly what that's supposed to be. Yeah. But, I mean, you gotta, you gotta go slow with that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that's, that's good. We're, we're at like 45 minutes in. So we gotta, <laughs> okay, we quickly, let's moving. do our 2020 challenge. Okay. Our 2020 challenge is two shows. So we got to go through, cause we, we, we're going to spend a little bit of time on Lord of the Rings. I'm sure. Uh, fight club. Okay, that's the one we watched more recently, so we'll talk about yeah. it first. This is David Fincher's 1999 uh, uh, it's maybe social commentary drama Fight Club. We're going to yeah, spoil yeah, it. Right. Okay, so, you'd, you'd never seen this before, right? I had not. Now, I, I got to say, 
Brad Pitt is is right there with Leonardo DiCaprio as, as a guy that always surprises me with his acting abilities every mm, time. Every time I range. look at that guy, I think, oh, he is just a pretty boy who's super cut, shaped, like, right. you know, Calvin Klein model. And then he puts on performances that are utterly amazing. Yeah. He plays the best crazy guy I've ever seen <laughs> next to um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, it's... So, did you know the quote-unquote twist to this movie? Yeah, I did. You sadly. did? Sadly. Okay. I did. Uh, and and that sucks. But that being said, knowing the twist did cause the first half, I'd say, or maybe 70% of the movie to kind of be spoiled. But because I knew what was happening in the whole scenes. And I bet you didn't get the great feeling. But I'll you tell know, you what, the the last 30%, I you know that. Everyone knows that, what's sure. happening. I um I saw this years ago. I didn't see it when it was brand new. But I watched it at some point when I was getting mm-hmm. into you know, films that you should see, which really is this whole thing, um, the the poster. Uh, And so I got that reveal when I saw it before. And then it's been easily 10 years since I've, since I've seen it. This movie Mm -hmm. is 20 years old. It's from 99. Yeah. And so I knew what the twist was. And then that enabled me to watch for and see, even though I didn't catch all of it, and I actually was going to send you, they did an honest trailer for this movie. Um, that's pretty good. But um, to see the things like before, before Tyler Durden appears, um, you'll get single frame images Ow. of him. I saw, I saw it in I the saw world. For sure. I saw a couple yeah. of those and I watched this with my sister. She had seen it too uh, before. So she knew. And I said, I said, were you watching, you know, she, does stuff on her phone while we're watching tv she's mm-hmm. selling Amish dogs and stuff like that but she's mm-hmm. like oh i missed it and i missed that one too you know because i would i would point him out when i saw him yeah. um but then there are other things like when he's in the boss's office beating himself up yeah the 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 narration goes it reminded me of my first fight with tyler and yeah. you're like oh that's that's some more pretty pretty heavy foreshadowing but still yeah. at the time in 99, 20 years ago, yeah, definitely there were people watching with that eye, like our buddy Pete does, you know, watching for the like, hmm, I wonder what this means. I wonder what this is trying to foreshadow. And then then when it comes, you're like, or, you know, sometime before the reveal, you're like, oh, I'll bet Brad's Pitt, Brad Pitt's character isn't real. I'll bet it's a it's a um, schizophrenia kind of yeah. uh, multiple person or MP. Multiple personality, Multiple personality yeah. disorder. disorder. Um, and then when the reveal comes, you're like, yep, called it. Which yeah, I, I, I admit, I don't think I would have. I, I don't think that I would have seen I that definitely coming. didn't when I saw it before. I don't think I was really, like, I knew anything about it going into it. So I was like, oh, this is that movie. People say the first rule of Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. So I'm, mm-hmm, I'm going right. to watch this and see. And then, you know, was surprised by the reveal. I generally prefer to go through that experience and so i don't um i don't hunt for those kind of uh, guesses and things while i'm while i'm watching stuff but knowing it beforehand made as you said the whole the first two acts to me it was more interesting because i kept watching for stuff i'm like so what does it mean if he talks to her and then he's downstairs while she's up in the bedroom with tyler and then he never sees the two of them at the same time and you can tell by um, some of um, Helena Bonham Carter's acting 
that she is seeing one person, but he is yeah. not like he's thinking of the of his two sides as separate right. people. And because I knew the twist, I noticed that. I was like, "Oh, yeah, see? Look, they're they're doing a good job of She's freaked out. She's confused right. cuz she's like, "You were like this a minute ago and now you're like this again." And back and forth, it's uh it's a little bit like Gollum. They will we'll get into Yeah, that he said he's but. Oh, exactly. He says um like when it first starts happening when he's first she's sleeping with um Tyler and he, she first comes downstairs and he's like, why are you in my house? And she's like appalled that he would say that. And she just gets so mad and storms out. Right. And, and you know, for the longest time, you think she's just a crazy woman. Right. You know, right. And that she doesn't know what she's talking about. And then I knew because I knew the twist. I was like, uh, he's the crazy one. And they're both a little crazy. And she's kind of just accepting that he's a little crazy. Right. Right. And then she he gets kind of worse and she gets fed up with it. But I I. Like that he set for himself all these rules and it's right when you watch it again, this is because I knew the twist. You can see that he's set clearly setting these rules for himself. Like uh, Tyler immediately after that first day says, uh, you can't talk to her about me at all. Right. Right. Like, like there's, there's no reason Tyler gives for that. He just says, make me swear it three times. And then yeah. he's adamant about it and then walks away. And that's just, that's a weird thing. Right. And, I think for a while you think Tyler's a weird guy, but he's really weird. Like, and it's just, it's simply because he's setting and he's making himself do these things. Right. Um, which, which is really cool. So I knew that twist. And I guess I say that the most fun part about this movie was that I honestly, for what, 10, 20 years, wherever this is, um, thought this was about a movie about the fight club. I thought it was about guys, <laughs> having a fight club right yeah yeah i'll, and I'll it's link not the, that really at all i'll link the honest trailer because it's pretty funny he makes a joke like this fight club is the only escape modern men have uh from their sterile controlled civilized lives unless you count uh boxing mma the nfl <laughs> nhl violent video games uh this he has like a whole list of things right right um yeah so so i i was i was pleasantly surprised that the actual movie wasn't yeah it really it's, about it's the fight very fight. little about the actual fighting yeah which which was great that that was what i expected i was like oh man i don't know if i'm ready for an underground street fight gang movie which was not at all so this took me by surprise and a very pleasant surprise and the um, the yeah. message the sort of weird confusing like don't be corporate slaves, except they sort of become actual slaves digging holes and all right, that right, stuff. Which right. It's kind of weird, you know. Whatever. There's a whole, there's a whole thing about that that is a little beyond our our scope of discussion. But uh, most of that has not changed in 20 years. Like, yeah, we have cell yeah. phones, we have smartphones, and and all of that stuff now. But that's just the same stuff they were dealing with, except worse. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and there's this... still like Starbucks is still Starbucks. Ikea is still Ikea. And, you know, polite, civilized, well-behaved lives are still are still the same now. I mean, right. it's only 20 years. It wouldn't change that much. This is what I, I think I'd like to go back and watch a making of type thing or mm. behind the scenes and talk to the writers and stuff. Because I, I wonder if after I got in watching this, I wondered if like. The writer, whoever writer was for this movie, 
was walking on the street one day and saw some really crazy whacked out conspiracy theorist guy just going to town about it and how much it was like amazed at how much this guy believed his own stuff. And he's like, what would, what would make a guy come to that point where he believes these craziness and then mm. wrote it out? Because that's what I was really compelled with this movie. And why I like it a whole much a whole lot is because yeah, you know, the main character is a little off just mm-hmm. like you would like, I think a schizophrenic person is aware that they're not quite normal. Right. They're very aware that they've got a mental problem, mm-hmm. but but they, they just don't, you know, they slowly convince themselves into this kind of a thing. And just like the audience does. And so I think being to see the perspective of a schizophrenic, paranoid schizophrenic, to, to have that happen in what felt like a kind of natural way was pretty cool. Right. And, yeah. and when it happened and he realized that he was both characters um you also became him. You're like, I want to escape. What do I do? How do I do all this stuff? And everything, I started doubting everything in the show. I was like, right. Is, is the, are these people real? Is, is she real? <laughs> are the police officers, is what's happening real? Yeah. Like what's, what's real and what's not. This is based on a book and directed by David Fincher. Okay. Um, it was one of, one of his earlier films, I think not, not super early in his career, but uh, fairly early. Cause he has a, long list of acting credits going back to uh some music videos so do you hear let me ask you i got i got my opinions on this but i want to ask you what you think okay do one do you think that she was real two do you think that the 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 fight club people were real like the his his what they called uh such an m his mayhem you know people. oh his his people um yeah do do you think those two things were real oh i mean i think i think we're meant to believe that everything is real except he tyler Tyler is not a separate person or jack is not a separate person right Um, so so you think that he actually got these people to do this thing and these all these people and and she's also real and yes i mean if you if you remember that scene when Tyler is going on his rant about spending money we don't have to buy stuff we don't need, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's just as true today as it was 20 years ago. And yeah. so you can imagine any given, you know, young to middle-aged man, uh, you know, trapped in whatever kind of life, whatever kind of difficult, challenging, or unfulfilled life that, that so many people have. Um, right. hearing that and going, yeah, that is true. I'm going to, you know, it's a sort of a alpha beta male again. I'm not a sociologist, so I don't really know, but, um, I, you, I can imagine, I can see a certain kind of person following that kind of person, that kind of charismatic, confident, like we're going to do. And, you know, we started with this, with this cathartic fight club thing in the foundation of this, this gathering of anarchy is these rules right these rules and the rules are absolute right it's like a it's like a constitution or a creed and so when they do the next thing with a different set of rules they're like okay don't ask questions you do follow your you know you we're we're soldiers we're part of this thing and this guy that we trust in we look up to 
he's you know served right that that happens as he gets closer to figuring it out yeah edward norton that people keep calling him sir right right oh yeah definitely sir and yeah um and, and they they have i think i i'm a little skeptical like whether the police officer thing was real right like was he in with those police officers did they really try to castrate him was that a real thing? I, I'm not really sure. Cause oh, there's several scenes where I'm like, mm, because like when he sees, he tries to stop the bomb. They're, they're showing the movie stuff. And like, that's not real for sure. He's when he's talking to um, Tyler and he's fighting with Tyler the whole time. That's, that's clearly not real. Uh, but other people, he kept, I mean, again, it falls in line with a paranoid schizophrenic is that when he sure. would go down the, the street and he tried to tell her at the, the dinner thing. And it's like, everybody's in on this. Everybody's, everybody's here. Look, they're all looking at me. Right. Oh, That's what a paranoid schizophrenic yeah, would think. I, I get what you're saying. But, but she, I think that, I firmly believe that she's real. I think that, that she is because they talk about her. And if she's real, she has moments throughout the movie where she recognizes these other people. Right. Like right. she, she does go into the house and she's like, well, who are all these people type yeah. stuff? So clearly there's something that's real there. Um, and I think that Bob was real. I don't know if Bob died or not, but um, so it's, it was just a really compelling thing there at the end when, when I didn't know if things were real or not, even, even when the, the movie ended, which by mm-hmm. the way, that gunshot scene, holy cow. <laughs> right. I, when, I when loved when himself. the, when the song starts and the buildings start to go, oh, man, I, you know, I don't know, whatever. I, I'm noticing parts of myself that that do kind of uh, rebel against that civilized, urban kind of whatever idea. And so yeah. when he's there and, nope, he can't stop it. And this great song starts to play and the buildings go down. And it's like, you met me at a weird time in my life. I'm like, that's just a good, like, none of it's real. So it's not, you know, right. you're separated from that real consequence of the and of course they establish that the buildings are all empty so it's just banks yeah just bank buildings going down uh no big the deal. fact that he shoots himself is like it's just it was stunning right yeah <laughs> it it's like it's all of it it's all of it fairly intense well yeah. uh yeah did you have anything else you wanted to say in the spoilers? No, nothing i just just that it was a, it was a very pleasant surprise this movie was even a, a show that i knew the big thing so if you haven't seen that or can we move into final judgments yeah here, so let's we'll, we'll go into final judgments here yeah I, I think that if you know the twist of this movie it will not spoil this movie it is yeah, a so. unique thing and i gotta say this this movie is one of the few on this list already that's made me very happy that we did this list because i'm not sh- i i owned this movie i bought it with intention to always watch it but never really had a drive <laughs> but being able to watch this now I would probably put this in my top 100 and it doesn't go into any category for any reason. It's just that it's a good entertaining movie that's unique. Yeah. You know, in its own way. And I don't know if you can get that from a lot of different movies that you'd watch at any point. Yeah. I mean, I think your experience in the spoiler section and I won't reveal the twist like you had it revealed to you. Obviously this is a 20 year old movie. If nothing else, you've certainly heard the expression first rule of fight club is don't talk about fight club, but maybe you don't know what the twist is. And I think not knowing the twist, if you've never seen it, it's going to be worth the watch. And even like for you, you knew the twist, but still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think absolutely this 
belongs on a bucket list. If you haven't seen it, you yeah. should. And, and and as a fair fairness to it, if you do know the twist, there's at least thirty percent of the movie when the twist is revealed. There's still about thirty percent of the movie left. So yeah. it's not like at the very end, and you're like, oh my god, he's a ghost. You know, you just get to watch. You know, watching for the foreshadowing and appreciating it all the more. Yeah, it's it's so yeah, definitely belongs on a list. This is well done, well done acting by all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, on every from the three main actors are the are stellar. Hella sure. Bonham Carter and Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are phenomenal. Yep. So, uh, in every scene, totally <laughs> good. Okay, so moving on to a little movie, <laughs> just a small line. a small thing. project. Um, yes. So we are talking about Peter Jackson's epic trilogy or epic film trilogy, not to be confused with the book trilogy it's based on, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and Return of the King. Is this a uh, Peter Jackson original? <laughs> what do words even mean? Uh, so if you, we're going to start out with spoiler section, so we're going to spoil the story if you somehow don't know the story of Lord of the Rings. Uh, jump ahead. If you somehow don't know the story of Lord of the Rings, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know if this is, I mean, not the conclusion line isn't going to be too much. I think both of us are big fans of this, right? I mean, this is, it's a no brainer there. Um, Absolutely. This is, this is easily sits comfortably in my top five movies of all time. All right. Let's um, not top two, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, Longtime listeners of the show will know I've referred to this work several times as a masterpiece. <laughs> right. Um, there's no there's no surprises there. Let's start with or instead, let's do some more meta kind of questions. Okay. Um, you watched all six versions. I did. Or I, both versions a, of all three movies. I should I'm say a freak because you're a crazy person. Well, I I I. Uh... I watch them often, and it sounds silly, but I think a long time listener of the show would know that I put movies on all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with being in a house that has television on, or radio, or music, or sound. You know, sure. or if if your preference is to live in a house that's totally quiet and peaceful, that's okay. I get comfort and peaceful out of you know <laughs> news being on, or what I prefer is a nice. Uh, creature comfort show and that's all well, star wars well i was star over Trek. at the house working i kept putting on um i have the audiobook version of uh um good omens okay yeah uh, and i watched the show i had never read the book before but i watched the show last year or whatever when it was relatively mm-hmm. new um and the show very closely follows the books so like yeah. um i just left the book on like while i was running the saw and i couldn't hear it so I'm like, yeah. oh, they're just going to jump to the next bit, and she's going to be doing that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I get that stuff, stuff in the background. So and, and that's that's what I do with Lord of the Rings a lot. So now this one, we talked. You and I talked about doing the theatrical versus the extended, and I didn't right. feel like I had enough time to to watch them, and it just the world worked out that I, I kind of did, and I put on. Not only theatrical. did you have enough time to watch the extended, you had enough time to watch both. Yeah, I watched the theatrical, but when I was done with the theatrical, I was like, well, I, I remember this scene and being in here. It wasn't the scene. Oh, that's got to be an extended. I'll just turn the extended on and kind of start doing this other work. Um, and then I found myself actually watching the entire extended one, the mm. second one. Like, okay, I'm already in for a penny. I'm in for a you know dime or whatever. 
So okay, so I let me start so that I'm not influenced mm-hmm. by your reaction. Sure. I saw the theatrical releases in the theater. Theatrical. When they released, right? When they released. Okay. And then at, and then never again after that. Um, okay. When these came out, I was in college. And I've never been one to collect and acquire DVDs. I bought a handful in like 99, 2000. And then, you know, just decided that that wasn't for me. You know, I was going to get yeah. digital versions of stuff. I didn't, I already had enough things that I was mm-hmm. hauling back and forth to my dorm room, whatever. Um, my dad bought the DVD extended editions with all the bonus features, all the commentary mm-hmm. tracks. I watched a lot of that stuff. I watched the full extended with with commentary tracks, sometimes without. We would just watch the whole thing. Like, that to me was the movie. And the theatrical releases were like the abridged version of a book, right? Like, th- <laughs> this funny. is the real thing. The theater one was the one they had to cut. And so <laughs> when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I sort of balked at it at first. And then because... I approach so much of what we do for this podcast in an almost academic way. Like, yeah. let me do something different. Let me watch something different so that I have a, you know, I maybe learn something or maybe experience something that will be conversation worthy. Sure. Um, I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'll watch, I'll watch these theatrical cuts and see what I think. Um, yeah. I, I watched these with my sister, Sarah. Mm-hmm. She and my dad had watched, I maybe I don't know if they watched all three of them, but they watched at least the first two um, yeah. within the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't think I've sat down and watched all of the extendeds for ten years. Okay. Um, and these are now in, well, they're coming up on twenty years. It's twenty twenty, but the first one I was almost, in. 01. I almost always have the extendeds in when I'm when I'm going around and doing it, but watching the theatrical first this time around, I I gotta say. I'm glad that one that they released the theatricals was because like it's the other ones are long and there's a lot of extra stuff that you don't need. I really enjoy them because I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd, but yeah, what the struggle for me. So there were things that Sarah would point out, right? I wouldn't catch them, but she's like, oh, in the thing, she says this, 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 and then she says that like, oh, okay, well, let me think about that. Like, how much does that add to my understanding of what's going on? Because in my mind, I'm not. Comp- I wasn't comparing because it'd been so long since I'd seen the extended editions. I yeah. wasn't comparing. I was trying to and failing to compare what I was seeing with what I saw in the extended edition. Like that's one comparison. Okay. The comparison I ended up doing instead, more often, was comparing what I was seeing on screen to my understanding of the books which is based on again a good 20 years ago maybe not well yeah it's probably about 20 years ago um i read all three books i listened to all three books on audiobook i think i did both of those there might be one or two that i only did one version of those like i only read it um but i feel like i read them once like in high school when I still was having a hard time grasping all these things with weird names and what the heck is an Emin Moyle and all of that stuff. <laughs> right. um, and so I say my perception of the books or my understanding of the books, because that was a long time ago and it's 
influenced somewhat by other people who read the books, like my sister and my dad, um, saying, oh, in the books, this is like this. And so in my mind, that's how it is in the book, whether it actually is or that's their perception. Um, I have a couple things like that uh, toward the end of the series. And I've mentioned this before when the Rohirrim arrive at the Battle of Minas Tirith, um, there are details to that that I um, I remember reading and appreciating and having an emotional reaction to reading it or hearing it in the audiobook. Yeah. That I'm sort of grafting onto what I'm seeing on screen when that happens in the movie. Because there are things you don't see, you don't hear a rooster crow, and you don't see a little bit of sunlight shine through. You don't. They don't make a big deal about how it's dawn and they've survived another night. Um, and so I brought all of that with me to that scene when I saw it in the theater, and when I see it um, at any point uh, uh, subsequent. I think, I think for the most part, to go back to theatrical versus extended. I think for the most part, it's fine. I think a lot there, there are some missing pieces. I talked to our buddy Fox about this because he just finished showing his son, the whole trilogy starting right off the bat with the extendeds. Um, And he's watched him a little, a kid, (laughs) a little more than me. And uh, he said that, um, you know, there's a lot of Faramir's story that's missing from the theatrical Mm -hmm. uh, versions. And I, and I noticed that I'm like, okay, so he was here, which his, his story whole ending in Return of the King is next. It's just next, yeah. and that's just one of those editing decisions. I'm like, there are other things like we probably didn't need so much screen time on what's going on with Arwen, um, right? Because like she's there and she doesn't want to leave, and Elrond doesn't want her to leave because Aragorn's going to die, and then she'll be cursed to live alone forever except mm-hmm. the minute she decides to stay she starts dying right I'm like okay this well, is the you- opposite of what what you were worried about and so like a lot of that could have been cut and you could have kept in the faramir stuff but i think a lot of what was left in in the extended editions is something that i'll call book fan service yeah i would agree with that right like that. this this trilogy of books is you know one of the most beloved quote-unquote fantasy series of all times and so yeah anytime there's a chance to bring more of that book content to life on the screen you want to do that and so i think if you if you have the time it's it's always worth watching the full extended release like yes there are sequences and segments and things that that run on too long but that's true in the theatrical release too yeah, and and having all of those th- both of those things that both run on too long, then it kind of causes it to lose track. I will say that I clearly remember in two thousand one when this came out that it was like someone dropping War and Peace on a table and saying, "Here, read this," because everyone's main criticism was that, "Oh my God, it's like three and a half something hours long. That's right. insane." Like it really was. I mean, there's a, a lot of other movies that were that long that had come out before then, but still, it was like you're. Wow, we're gonna watch take my girlfriend to see a fantasy movie. Yeah, not for, for, a, for not for several decades. Like mostly movies had gotten shorter and shorter right. to where, you know, a full length movie was right around 120 minutes. I know yeah. 
um, Fight Club is almost two and a half hours. It's two hours, two hours, 19. So that's a little bit long. Right. But this was a fantasy movie, which there's been good fantasy movies that I like in the past, but nothing. They were never up to this level of, you know, storytelling and cinematography and stuff. So so asking someone to come in and watch a fantasy movie for that long was already pretty darn big. And it's really dense as it is. So mm-hmm. you're you're putting a lot out there for moviegoers to watch. And then the other biggest thing also had to do uh, criticism with the whole series was, oh, my God, I love that show. But, man, it should have ended an hour earlier of Return of the King. Right. It's like mm-hmm. there's just endings after endings after endings, which is exactly how the book happens. And then you watch the extended edition there's and they added like less. three more endings. There's you there know, are, and there are like, fewer endings in the movie than there are in the books. Like there's a whole epilogue thing where the yeah. where uh, Wormtongue or Sourman sends orcs to the Shire and the the couple oh, hobbits yeah. that go back that have gotten some martial training like get up a militia and they do this whole sort of almost seven samurai kind of thing all in the epilogue like all after all the stuff with Aragorn and and the Ring is all done. Yeah, it's. Yeah, Tolkien, I mean, you and I, I don't know if we see, I don't know, as we've talked about this before, it's, Tolkien was not the best storyteller. I mean, he just wasn't. It's not what he was. He he was a world builder, one of the best of all history. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to... His book is hard. Right? A, his books are hard. A conversation that I've mentioned before, it was you and I and our buddy Trotsky at his house talking in one of our conversations that sort of became the the origin of this, of this podcast. Mm-hmm. We talked about... Um, the Star Wars prequels, because this is yeah. pre Force Awakens or anything. Mm-hmm. And it was still I think maybe even still in the early days of the Hobbit trilogy. And you said to me that before we all knew that before we all found out that the Hobbit trilogy was going to be awful, yeah. um, you said, you know, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh just love this world, this Middle Earth world, and they want to spend as much time in there as they can while they have the opportunity because, you know, to our our consents that nobody's ever going to fund a Cimmerillion movie. Um, <laughs> right, right. Right? And right. so they're going to get more Tolkien world content into film while they have the opportunity, which yeah. they ended up not doing. They just did a bunch of dumb, goofy fan right. service to Lord of the Rings. I but... mean, they, they, they left Hobbiton in New Zealand, like a really fully functioning, <laughs> right. not just a movie right. set. Right. Um, but uh, we talked about... One of one of the there are a couple of big changes from the books that I noticed at the time and that still sort of bother me, although I've gotten more mature in my perspective and uh, (laughs) more more subtle. I don't know, whatever, where I can see like, oh, they changed that. And that gives this character just a little bit of a hero's journey. Um, In in that case, I'm thinking of Faramir. Right. In the book, Frodo. And and Sam, and, oh, I forget the details there, but Frodo meets with Faramir, and his interaction with Faramir is really similar to his interaction with Galadriel, right? right? He has the ring. I don't think he offers it to him the way that he offers it to Galadriel after what's happened with Boromir, but Faramir figures it out, and he says the line, right? A chance for uh, Boromir, captain of Gondor, to show his quality. Right. And there's a moment he considers, and he has that necessary inner strength that Boromir didn't to resist. And that's it. Like he has scenes later with Eowyn in the houses of healing 
and all that, but his interaction with the ring and with Frodo is just that one scene. It's just uh, Tolkien establishing and describing this character, and there's a little bit of conflict, and then it's past, right? This is the kind of person that he is. Where yeah. in the movie, he goes to this whole thing where he's like, oh, it's a weapon, I'll bring it to my father, and he'll respect me the way that he respected Baromir, and... Um, and all of this, and then eventually does let them go. Like that's yeah. All I thought Faramir was a much more fleshed out character in the movies than in the book because the book he was just flat a good guy. Right, he's just a good guy, and so he gets a little bit of a hero's journey. The change that I didn't like, and I still don't like, is the interaction between the hobbits. I think it's Mary in particular and Treebeard. The the interaction between the hobbits and the Ents. Um. Again, I forget the exact details because it's been so long. But in the books, um, they meet the ants. The ants talk slow. All of that stuff is true. They have the ant moot, and it takes forever. I think several days. Mm -hmm. And they decide, you know, to march on Isengard, right? The ants decide because they yeah. have all the information. Where in the movies, it's it's almost comical. Like, they do this thing, and he says... This great line, actually, that's Pippin. He says, you know, the closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. And um, lead him down there, and he sees it, and he freaks out, and they attack. Except there are all of these Ents, like, just inside the forest, right, mm -hmm. to march out. And it's this great epic moment, but it really diminishes the the wisdom and the character, and, I mean, like, character, like, good character. Um, of the ants by having to be like, uh, well, this thing, you know, we'll, we'll just wait it out here. And then these hobbits trick them. Um, yeah. Which I is mean, sort of, yeah. which is sort of ridiculous. And that, that led us into a conversation about why we're Mary and Pippin along. Right. To, yeah. to my thinking, reading the books, um, you know, Pippin had this path to become a, a, a guard of the Citadel in Minas mm -hmm. Tirith. And Mary had this path to go through Rohan, pledge himself to the king, um, um, Theoden, and then go along unknowingly with Eowyn to Pelennor Fields and help her slay the Witch King. Um, like, they had this whole part to play in this story. And I don't remember if this was you or Trotsky, but one of you said that um, the Lord of the Rings is not really told in a traditional, what we think of now as a story. With oh, you know, yeah. beginning, no, yes. middle, and end, and a hero's journey, and a heroine, and a and a foil, and a and a counterpoint, and a twist, and, and a, a turn, of, beginning, middle, and end, beginning, yeah. middle, and end. Um, it's more like uh, what I call a chronicle. Um, sure, mm -hmm. it's just a here's here are all the things that happened. Yeah, it's it, the first two chapters is just about the history of the hobbits. Yeah, and yeah. and that is just like. Um, you know, uh, informative, like a documentary or, yeah. I don't remember. I don't know what the word for a book. For I mean, he, he goes on later it's just, on. It's just, just nonfiction, right? Yeah. Right. It's just an essay. And then, and then it goes into the story, but there's stuff that happens to them along the way that doesn't matter at all. Right. The whole Tom Bombadil thing that people are like, Oh, this is great. They're like, yeah, but it doesn't, doesn't, just do doesn't mean anything. It's like, right. He wrote it because in his world, like, Yes, there's the story of the ring and 
there's all of this stuff about the fallen empire and all of that but it's it's almost all world building there are these races and they have this language they use these words and they have these towns and there's this and this and there's this guy over here he has this and he means this and he talks like this it's just all it's all world building and the the story is just there yeah as a as an anchor is Tolkien is a modern-day campaign setting builder. Like, he would work for <laughs> TSR or Wizard of the Coast and just make campaign settings, right? Mm-hmm. That, I'm sure that's the guy who you, he would get on, like, oh, this is my dream job, just to write about the king of this little shire and then how his cousin was. He would eat that stuff up, and we have great wealth of information like that. And unfortunately, back then, there was nothing like this, you know, and he was, you know, the first to ever do these things, and we get to enjoy it. Now, when we get to the theatrical releases of this, you know, I thought that Fran is Walsh. Is that her last name? Mm-hmm. Like she, when she's writing this, I loved in the watching the, you know, extras on it, watching yeah. her every time she's on screen and how she loves and changes things and goes from things, but how much they're on the sets and they're rewriting some stuff because they're like, this is better for a, a film, right? This is, this is better for a, a movie going audience. And right. namely Arwen's character, the same thing with Faramir, like, well, in a in a modern day, we need this to happen, or these are not good to put on screen at all. Yeah. So they knew that they liked these characters, they wanted them on screen, and, and they can't. Or if they just put them in their in their normal form, they would just get cut. Yeah. Or they take a line that one person said and they give it to somebody else. Um, yeah. It's sort of like uh, when we watched Chernobyl, and they have one scientist character to represent like a hundred couple hundred real scientists because right. it just is easier to do on screen it, and it's, it's easier for the audience yeah yeah now now it's here's an important thing when you're watching a difference between a theatrical cut and a in a extended edition cut is that uh i'd say five percent of the people that watch lord of the rings would watch the extended edition and like it as well like 90 to 95 percent of the people love the theatrical and our moms and pops and kids and teenagers mm. and, and who watch it one time and that's it. And it's still a historical thing, but people like you and I are people who watch movies multiple times in our lives. And heck, I, I remember when I met you and I was talking about like, how come you haven't seen this show or this movie 13 times? And you're like, I just, I and you, I think actually know culture and media and stuff more than other people do. And even sure. you at the time had not watched movies multiple times and many times. I so, think my my per- perception of that is probably skewed by getting involved in the Lord of the Rings living card game. Where yeah. those people are like, not only are they people who read the books, but yeah. they're people who read the Cimmerillion. And oh, maybe yeah. more than once. And if you are asking questions about characters and lore and you haven't even read the Cimmerillion once like right. you're already in the thing and so i don't know i mean percentages of, of people whatever this... i know i know everyone in my family who will watch lord of the rings which is yeah. probably everybody except mom um yeah. you know thinks of the extended edition as the movie the same way that i do maybe not yeah. as as strongly as i did or whatever um i think most of our friends except our buddy Justin, who for some reason doesn't like Lord of the Rings. Right. I don't know what that deal is, but right, um, right. <laughs> actually I do, but I'm not going to go into that. I, I don't, um, 
you know, is are all like if we say let's do a Lord of the Rings marathon, I I just assume maybe that's me, maybe that's my own perception. I think everyone is thinking twelve hours extended edition. That's oh, the see, see, I, I would have thought other, otherwise. I I was actually getting ready to say, besides you, I don't know anyone besides me that's watched the extended editions. Um, maybe maybe Fox because he's our our movie guy and Chris, uh, geek scholar Chris. But mm-hmm. but I I honest to God don't know of anyone who's watched those scenes. Um, hmm. And and I could be completely wrong. You know, I maybe, mean, maybe maybe you're wrong. I mean, my like I said. We had the extendeds. That's what we watched. And the people I know who got into it, you know, got, yeah. got you know, watched the extended edition. So I think, I don't know, to me, I think anybody who bought it on on disc, on DVD, or later on Blu-ray would have bought the extended editions. But maybe I'm wrong, you know. Like oh, I yeah. Said, I, 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 I definitely my... don't know about group that because I, I remember when they came out and I got them that same book type thing that you it said mm-hmm. you got. I was super stoked about it. And everyone looked at me was like, wow, that thing was crazy to watch once, which they've only seen. Most people I knew watched it once. And I said that was that was an awesome investment that I did once. But it was kind of like watching um, Lawrence of Arabia. It's like I'm glad right. I did it Lawrence once. Lawrence of Arabia, but I won't, I Seven won't, Samurai. Yeah, I won't yeah, do so, it again. So I will say that. I think people who have only seen the trilogy once, there's a pretty good chance they saw the theatrical releases. I think of the people who bought the DVDs, I would... I assume, so I'll just say it that way. I assume more than half of those are the extended editions. Well, I, you know, people who bought it on something, this is something we could probably look up and see the sales of the extended edition versus the the sales of the things. But it it is one of the, the, um, bad things or downsides of our, our day and age of the internet that we live in is that we all feel that, you know, a thing is normal and big and we're actually just living in an echo chamber of our own Mm. little people. Like there's, 10 people who we think are like 150 people <laughs> and it, you know, it just gets a lot more than you would think it is. And then when you look at like numbers of stuff and you're like, Oh, that's in a perspective of things, it's not that big of a deal. I always like to look at like critics versus uh, audience scores. And you're talking about 250 people and 60,000 people voted on these different things. Right. You know, sure. so, so what, what kind of perspective are you giving here when you're looking at now the, the actual moviegoers are 4 million Right. It's such right. a small percentage, but we take this 200 as an echoing chamber type thing. And that's something with like the Lord of the Rings, too, is I, I just take it as a, a default masterpiece that everyone knows is some of the best film ever made stories, characters, everything ever made. And I forget that outside of my echo, cha- echo chamber, it's maybe not. And there well, are yeah, lots of and- people who haven't seen it. And wouldn't and care to see it, which is weird. Quote, quote unquote, geek or nerd culture has just perv, uh, permeated the mainstream. Yeah. Right. You know, we've got Will Wheaton. We've got the whole geek and sundry thing. The That terrible Big Bang Theory. I watched like seven seasons of that. Yeah. Um, maybe in a week or something when you've had time to catch up on it, the new animated Harley Quinn series on. on uh, yeah, I got it. I really watched that for sure. Speaking of, uh, yeah. I don't know what name. 
I had, I had, a, Some, I had something, a hard, something I just said about it. Was, it was difficult for it was surprising. It was surprising to me that that Fox had said that he, he had his son watch, it, and I think his son's like ten or younger, maybe something like that. Yeah, and and like I have tried casually to watch have Sydney watch this, who I think Sydney's a pretty geek person, and mm-hmm. she plays games. She's she's in a D and D group, and she um, watches anime like crazy. She just is not that interested in Lord of the Rings. She started watching it and it was like, it's okay. It's fine. It's kind of slow. It's kind of, you know, it's just all right. And, and that makes me feel like, Oh, I'm sad. But I, as I'm watching it with her, I totally get it. It's, yeah. it's, it's not, it's, is long and it's slow. You, you get and, a sense of like, this is, I mean, to, to my way of thinking, this is the first time, um, you you really have the capability to bring a fantasy world to life in a fully convincing way. I like agree, hundred percent. Once you know that they're using force perspective, and um, I don't know, if we're still supposed to say little people uh, to represent the hobbits oh, in yeah, wide okay. shots and and all of that kind of kind of stuff. There are moments where you can see it. You're like, oh yeah, they're standing kind of weird. That's probably because he's way back there, and Ian McKellen yeah. is up here. Or whatever, um, but by and large, out of even in the theatrical releases, like nine hours of content from twenty years ago, yeah, almost. Um, you know, you see stuff like Minas Tirith, right? Yeah, this city, and you know that city's not real. Yeah, but nothing about it doesn't seem real. Yeah, right. You, pr- see him close, you see him in close. You see him wide in the shots and the dragon, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, this all looks completely real because, yeah, you know, they still did stuff like, you know, they built a model of Minas Tirith that was like 15 feet tall and they built the streets um, yeah, and stuff that they would reuse the same street. They didn't build the whole city in, in actual scale, but they built little sections of street in actual scale in in practical effects and in. And in props and miniatures and yeah, it, it um, it's I think it holds up too. Like watching it all, I there was very little. Maybe the cave troll, you know, was a little bit, but sure, all of it holds up really darn good. Like the yeah. the ring wraiths and all of that is. I I definitely don't think showing it to somebody today that would be a block that it looks too old. No, right? The, I don't think so. At probably all. the the biggest sort of distractor for me is all of the scenes and moments that have become memes sure right where i'm like oh yeah that's the thing or every so often one of the characters will deliver a line and you're like oh that's that's straight out of the book like they took that straight out of the book where you know 20 years ago that's exactly what we wanted we wanted the characters to to speak that way but you know they'll be up on a on a hill and like um you know They've gone two leagues to the west ere the sun rises. And like, who talks like that? Well, a character in Tolkien, obviously. But um, it's it's very like you see the actors doing it, and having seen some of these actors, Orlando Bloom and some of those like in more normal kind of roles or uh, whatever, like see Sean Astin being um, Bob in Stranger Things, that kind of stuff, and you see him deliver some of these lines, and you're like. Oh man, it's just so, it's so foreign, which yeah. is intentional, but it can sometimes, for me anyway, uh, um, break the immersion right. every once in a while. I'll say 
we did a thing, I don't know, a year plus ago where we talked about our favorite, like, big, powerful, emotional moments in these in these yeah. movies. I, because of the way my brain works, I want to put one of them in each movie, um, which is pretty accurate, too. Um, right. The, the, they... I think they're unchanged since I said this before, but the first one is where Frodo pulls Sam out of the water. Yeah. Right. And he says, I made a promise and I don't, and you know, don't you leave him. And I don't mean to, uh, the second is after he gives his speech, his speech, Sam's speech, where they cut to Sarman in the tower while the answer smashing all his stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's good. But the moment after that, when they're in the woods and they're like, oh, you know, tell, tell us about Frodo in the ring, dad. Oh, yes, <laughs> my boy. He was the most famousest of hobbits. And right. Frodo gives the, you know, uh, Frodo wouldn't have gotten very far without Sam. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a good one. Definitely. And then the the final one is when um, Aragorn tells him not to bow. And bows to them, all four um, of them. Oh yeah, that's um, a good one. Th- those are my three favorite. the The Rohirrim showing up is pretty good, kind of blood stirring, kind of you know cavalry literally shows up, yeah. um, kind of moment. But the the really strong emotional moments are those. I, I will say that something I I, I watched because I knew that we were going to be talking about this. I, I try to look at this as as I do sometimes as someone watching this for the first time. Yeah, um, that's hard. It, it is, especially below the like. But 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 I do. I have done that kind of recently with the original Star Wars trilogy as well, and I can see mm. some. You know, I like to listen to young the young kids these days, and and hear <laughs> honestly why they wouldn't like this thing that I like. And and this one, I hadn't heard anybody give you know besmirch this series or anything, but I I could look and see like, oh yeah, there's there's a lot of things that aren't great overall in the story, N- namely the fact that. All of the whole thing is literally about one guy walking to, to Mount Doom. And the other one is that um, they, they win all this battle by a hacks. They just get a ghost army and then just kill everything. <laughs> like that's that's really all that happens. I was really I remember even in, watching that that show in the theater thinking that was not a satisfying thing that happened. Like it, I know he went and got it and did it, but they just pushed a button that they were invincible all of a sudden and overran all the armies. And I'm they, like, they don't oh. make this clear in the theatrical release. And I don't even remember how much of it is, is made clear in the extended, but you're supposed to understand that, um, the steward, uh, Denethor has one of the Palantir, the seeing stones, and he has been looking into the future right to yeah. to determine the outcome of the battle and he sees at a crucial moment in the battle um the black ships the corsairs arriving mm-hmm. on the coast and he thinks that's even more reinforcements for Sauron's army and he's like we're we're screwed it's hopeless we're going to we're going to lose and gandalf tells him you know not all is as it appears and the seeing stones you know vision can be deceived whatever mm-hmm. and then when that actually happens, those ships are Aragorn with reinforcements for the good side. Right. I don't I don't know how the army of army of dead that stuff for me, it kept uh, taking me back to a video game that my brothers and I used to play 
uh, from EA called Battle for Middle Earth. Okay. It's a Lord of the Rings um, real-time strategy game. They did they made two of them. The first one was better, but the second one had more flexibility. Yeah. Um, that game has a problem of escalating power, and it's a video game, so it gets even more ridiculous, but they have those things where at you know, when it's off cooldown, once you get to a high enough level, you can call in a whole bunch of elves to come shoot at stuff. Or you could, and then your opponent can call in a big group of Rohirrim, mounted cavalry, to start riding people down. And then the other guy can call in a group of, you know, an Entmoot. And suddenly yeah. he's got four Ents right here. And then the other guy can call in... um the army of the dead and they're like just swarming around wiping him out and then the other guy could summon the balrog and he's burning all his stuff down and it's you know again it's a video game so it's crazy but it's only a little bit more crazy than the way that battle goes yeah right? that, that, that like just... you're there and you're fighting and then they're doing the trebuchets and that's good but then they bring in you know the the ladders and the towers and they do and then they they hold them off, and then they bring in, um, not ladders, that's the other battle, but the towers. Yeah. And then the Rohirrim show up, and they're just going to, you know, they're cavalry against orc infantry. Like, they're just going to the, the ride them. The elephants show up. They're going to ride them down. And then the elephants show up. And then the army of the dead shows up. It is this, like, escalating. Right. Um, and and But the, the thing that really got me reinforcements is, thing. if you're comparing it to a video game, it's as if you're, 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 playing against in a real-time strategy game and you're you're both going back and forth and you're fighting and it's a a tense battle that's you know winning and losing and huge and you almost get to win and then some guy comes off the screen and says uh i just put in the cheat code to be invincible and i just wrecked the guy ha we won i'm like yeah uh that's not cool so i felt that way when watching it i know when i watched it i was like okay i was satisfied with all of the scenes before then it was amazing and cool and epic and everything but it just Mm -hmm. felt like and let's end the show. It's let's end the show. Oh, you know, okay, battle's done. And then there's yeah. still like an hour of movie. Left. Yeah, which which that was even for me was pretty disappointing. That I I enjoyed all the endings, but I remember sitting in the theater with my then wife and thinking like I know she wanted to go thirty minutes ago. I could just I mean <laughs> anyone everyone in the theater was wanting to get up out of the theater except for the diehard Lord of the Rings people. Because, I mean, I yeah. keep saying this. I said this since these movies were in the theater. I think if you're going to do a movie that's over three hours long, you need an intermission. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The Seven yeah. Samurai was three and a half hours long, but it had an intermission. Yeah, sure. I can, I can I get that. Give people a, a marked window of time. Go get refill your popcorn, use the bathroom, get another beer. Yeah, and they would uh, they would have had an inter- intermission when the Rohirrim came in. <laughs> right? that, yeah. That's, you know, that's to know that, like, oh, we're only in the middle here. Uh, right. So no. So yeah. Uh, so anyway, I can I could see critics of this movie that in modern days maybe not liking it as much. I can see people not liking it. For me, it's it's always going to be for my whole life something that's you know of the untouchable type thing, just mm-hmm. up there with the original Star Wars trilogy. And always see uh, criticisms both any way you might have. Uh, but this one is very few and far between because. Um, I'm going to leave with this last little bit of information for both of us. One question to you, and then I'll say my side. When you went and watched this in the theater for the first time. Are we post-spoilers yet? Yeah, yeah, we're we're post-spoilers. Okay. Uh, When when you watched this movie for the first time, Dennis, 
Uh, were you a Lord of the Rings J.R.R. Tolkien uh, fan person before then? Or was yeah. this something that b- made you into one? I, I was before. Okay. I was not. I had heard of it. I'd been a longtime D&D player um, uh, and liking fantasy things and Excalibur and Dragon Slayer and things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, never had read the original things. I had picked up the first book and could not get through the first, like, 25 percent of it and was like the books are the books can be a challenge yeah and and that was that's putting it very nicely uh so it was not something that was for me at all um and uh but i really enjoyed it so i didn't know anything about the past i didn't know anything about him or the books or the series or what it was um i was uh on a trip to a conference with my wife and she went to a an educator's conference and it was we had just had my uh, oldest daughter was two at the time, and it was the first time in like two years that uh, grandma and grandpa took our, our our kid and we were like kid free. And mm-hmm. we and I had just I was in, in college and I had just uh, um, like on it was between break because it was on like December or something. So I was break. I had no homework. I had no <laughs> no job at the time because I was working for the university. Right. I didn't have to go to work. And my wife was at a conference all day and I was just wandering around Chicago. And I said, I'd like to watch a movie. And I wandered into a random theater that was downtown and they were playing this Lord of the Rings thing, which I kind of knew was coming, but didn't really. And then watched it and was just blown so badly away that I walked out of the theater in the middle of Chicago in December, just stunned and wanted to watch it again right then. And could not get back in the hotel fast enough to tell her like, we need to go watch this. We should watch this show again. Uh, so I, I became a, a huge fan. I'd never seen anything like that put on screen very much like seeing, I see comic books now and my childhood type stuff kind of like, I'd never been able to see D and D kind of come to life more than I did at that point. So, yeah, I mean, and I've, and I've said this before, um, you know, we see things now all of, all the time, you know, yeah. we see it in TV shows in yeah. the same way that like back in the sixties when they made Star Trek, they're like, nobody is using this level of special effects in TV. Yeah. Like it's right. only feature films. Yeah. Um, You're going to eat we, every bit of that up. Yeah. We see films and TV shows now all the time. We're like, the Witcher. if you, if you catch some, some low quality, you know, not, not quite uh, perfected uh, visual effects or, or computer graphics. And that's the exception. Yeah. Right. Like, like we've seen stuff that's bad, right? Yeah. Like, all of the special effects were really good. Something like the Titan with the guy on the planet of Saturn or whatever yeah. with a bunch of special effects. And we're like, this is awful. Like yeah. stuff that didn't even have a good, have a good story can have the kind of graphics and visual effects that can make something not real fully believable. Totally. Um, but this was a time where, you know, this just two. the first movie is just two years after the Matrix. And the Matrix was already like a revolution, not no pun intended on sequels, but yeah. in in all of its visual effects. But we go back and watch it now, and we're like, "Oh yeah, that's yeah, right." You, you could tell that's CG there. That's not right there. And, and you know, this. I mean, obviously, that's how technology advances. Yeah, but right. you know, for for my money, this is the first time where you. There's almost nothing that breaks verisimilitude. Like you, you never have to 
really work at suspension of disbelief. Um, yeah. You see everything. It all looks real and and you believe it. So And no one looks like a, a guy, an orc with a rubber costume on, which is what yeah. we would have seen before. And nobody any looks show. like they have stuff glued to their head. Nothing, nobody looks like a Muppet. You know, and nothing against Star Wars or, like that before. or any of that. Like Gollum looks real. Like you believe that he's a real thing that, that the people are interacting with. Yeah, in, in any stuff. kind of fantasy thing before, if you saw like an orc or something, you would see like a hand or a side of a face or a quick thing because they they don't want you to show the guy in the rubber outfit. You know, you, you yeah, don't, if you it, see a dragon, it, it's just the camera kind of swooping up and you kind of see the dragon's claw in the show, right? Here yeah, you get to see the whole, breaks you know, the Oliphant. So, and, the things, and yeah. all of that being said, I I fully acknowledge that this is not for everybody, Right. This is a this is a fantasy trilogy. Even if you watch the abridged theatrical versions, it's still very long. It's mm-hmm. a very long time commitment to um, to watch all three and get the whole story. Um, it's you know maybe not maybe not the ultimate form of like uh, you know deep esoteric nerd culture. It's actually relatively mainstream compared to something like game of thrones before the show was made or um things like that with several long books with a lot of international politics kind of stuff where like the extent of those politics in lord of the rings is like yeah at one point gondor and rohan were allies but now they're they they're both so absorbed in their own struggles that they're they ignored each other but when the beacons are lit and they have that great scene you know rohan will respond like there was a question if they would respond and they do um you know it's not it's not super complicated the world is deep and intricate but the events are pretty straightforward um but you know if you're not into uh fantasy or you know that kind of speculative fiction you're probably not listening to this podcast (laughs) exactly right um but but i would this obviously goes on our bucket yeah i think without question if you are young enough or whatever your your life has been that you've not seen these i think before i watched them i would have said absolutely 100 percent extended editions are the only way to go Uh, i think if you've never seen it the theatrical editions are fine if you like the theatrical editions you should definitely watch the extendeds because you get more depth more of the world which is the whole thing um, but absolutely, if you have never seen this and you're at least like 12, right. I can't imagine anyone even 12 is listening to us talk for an hour and a half, <laughs> but, um, you should absolutely watch this. Of course. Yeah. The, the, no I, I will, I will leave this section with this, with this, uh, and, I, and I'm never big thing what critics will say or whatever. Uh, but this is what Wikipedia has a line about the Lord of the Rings film series. It says, The Lord of the Rings is widely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential film series ever made. It was a major financial success and is among the highest grossing film series of all time. With over $2.9 billion in worldwide receipts, each film was critically acclaimed and heavily awarded, winning 17 out of their 30 Academy Award winning nominations. I mean, that's that's says it all. I mean, it's it's everything from 
not just critics and actors and everyone else liking it, but people paying money to get in seats and then yeah. reviewing well, it themselves across the spectrum. I think, I think without Lord of the Rings, you have no Game of Thrones. Oh, TV for sure, show. for sure, for because sure. you know somebody had to read those books and go, "Oh man, if they turned Lord of the Rings into these very successful movies, we could do that with this." I'm just stunned that it took them so long to do another thing. Like, I think people had the Lord of the Rings, and maybe it was the fact that it was nine hours and then extended edition re-releases that they were like, "Okay, it's going to take ten years for us to cool down." Maybe. Sure. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of because I mean, some of the effects had to get there. It's more. It's so much. It's many more hours. I mean, we just talked about how long Lord of the Rings is. The books are longer, and the show ran longer than it did. So they, the budget had to be there, and it had to be a TV show. Like they couldn't yeah, and- have made it short enough to be movies and they do try to put hollywood does often try to put fantasy movies out often and they are still generally terrible and we've seen several D movies and mm. a lot of stuff that are just really really terrible and they can never get from story to acting to special effects they just can't capture it the way that that yeah uh, i mean i mean yeah lord of the rings are. i think has appeal to people who've never read the books, but the immense popularity of the books, I think is the foundation of what made the success of the films possible. Yeah. Fran, Fran Walsh, Walsh and Peter Jackson have done things that no one else could have done with this, this genre and did it on film and they should get lifetime achievement awards for, for that alone. I mean, honestly, they really should just pretend they never made those other three. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Then they yeah. came back through with, yeah, the fan service ones. All okay. Right. All right. We we we're a little over here. We've, we've run way long, and uh, we're fine. It's it's a big big we, big topic. We knew that was going to happen. We haven't done a movie challenge of the past two episodes of this. Right. So show, what's our so. next one as we're cl- closing out the show? Oh, um, what did I say before we started? Grand Budapest Hotel. Right. This one I had not seen. So Wes Anderson. So it'll probably be weird. It'll be weird. We're we're ready for it. It's January. It is. It is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 124. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek or role-playing games, or maybe even a Star Trek role-playing game, you should check out our other podcast. It's called Klingons and Dragons at KlingonsDragons.com. We've got the episode listings there. Um, it's it's funny. It's uh, not safe for work. If you have kids in the car, don't maybe don't put it on here. Right. That's, there's some... There's some bad jokes that aren't really that funny sometimes. <laughs> um, if you have questions or comments, feedback on the show, tell us which version of Lord of the Rings you prefer. You can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. Over on our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms, comment boxes on all the episodes, the schedule for the 100 movies. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.